The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Are you, are you right here? Right here? Yeah. You want it? Yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemans? We are in the office on Friday morning, the 7th. We start the Redneck Tech Podcast production class today. Um, it will be happening when everybody starts arriving, which will be in a little bit. It's early in the morning. i am got a little scratchy throat this morning, so I'm hoping that Clay does most of the talking this morning. Um, we're just going to try and do a quick kind of podcast about since Clay got here in July, this is going to be his first, like, full-blown fall with us, um, and he's got a bunch of dates lined up, and I kind of wanted to go over um, kind of his thoughts on everything, and then kind of his expectations, and then kind of go with a couple over some travel tips that we might have went over before that me and him have talked about that he needs to do, um, and then kind of get into later on what's going to be his first elk hunt, which is going to be exciting. So um, this is uh, this is going to be a long, big day for us, and tomorrow will be even longer day with the class. But we're excited about it. Um, Ryer is not here. He is on his way back from Colorado, um, out there visiting some people, and uh, he couldn't get back yesterday, so he's going to be a little bit later today. But it's the first time he's taken any time off in like a year or so. He's that's yeah, fine. His, his boss isn't the nicest. Yeah, he's kind of a he's you kind turned of, my you kind of a douche. Turn my volume down. You're just which, just what I hear. I hear it a bit. That loud. one. Yeah, that's better. Thank okay. You. Um. Yeah, Ryder doesn't like it loud either. I like it loud. I don't like hearing. I like only hearing myself through here. I don't like hearing myself through my mouth. I'm weird though. Ryder gets mad at me about that too. Um. So. I know that. I know you've done some, and that might be a good way to start. So. Before you came to work with us over the fall, or in July, I mean, um, what were you doing? What were you working on? What are some things you had done leading up to this? Um, I was working for myself doing video production. So, like, weddings, real estate. I've done a few corporate things. Um, And then really just any – I've done a lot of fishing stuff. Um but really the only thing I really traveled for was the hunting stuff, like being from Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, I basically flew everywhere. Yeah. So the real the real traveling stuff I did was the hunting stuff, and I probably did like two or three trips a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else was just weddings and, and real estate and a few corporate things. Yeah. In between there, so. And you still, and you still got a couple of weddings and things yeah, like that, I, right? Yeah, I booked some. Well before you even thought about me coming up here. Yeah. So I have one in December, I have one in February, and I have one in April. Well, you do right now. Let's see if they happen. Let's see well, if they yeah, happen. that's true, yeah. I mean, so. we've had, I, I mean, I think we had grand total people sign up for the class. It was like 20-something people, and I think, I honestly don't even know how many people are coming. I've had six weddings canceled 
just in um, March, April, May Ugh. that I had scheduled. I had six of them canceled. Yeah. So we've had probably 20 people call and, and book, but then throughout the course of the last two months since we've been booking people for the class, there something will happen in life or work or COVID crap. And so um, it's one of those things to where who knows – what uh oh my gosh hold on <laughs> man chris gerlich from uh he's supposed to come to the class today he said that his wife booked the tickets through her account and she booked the wrong dates and he's not flying into atlanta now <laughs> so there's another one that just couldn't make it um, oh, yeah, that sucks. Uh, anyway, back to what we were talking about. So, you're used to flying everywhere, mm-hmm. and you're going to be flying a good bit, and you'll probably be driving a decent amount, too, just kind of depending on logistically how things work out, but I just hate flying. I just hate dealing with airports, but especially when you have to deal with Atlanta, which I'm sure Orlando is not a ton better, but uh, it's it's kind of be as hard. It's yeah. hard to be as bad as Atlanta. Yeah. But um, and that's our wonderful, beautiful home airport. Yay us! The good the good thing about Orlando and Atlanta is you very rarely do you have to fly through anywhere. Yeah, and if you do, it's because the plane can't make it the whole way. Yeah, well, and the on the hunting side, we we have to sometimes because we very rarely get to fly into a big airport, and it's usually like a Meeker, Colorado, or a you know a, a Bozeman, yeah, a Bozeman yeah. or something. There's never a direct flight to those little. No puddle jumper type places. It's either fly into the small airport or fly into the big one and drive six hours. Yeah, the only good, like the the only advantage of flying out of Atlanta is if you want to go to Africa, it's one trip. It's one it's way. one way. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are one ways. Now, you can do the, don't ask Jamie Shira the way that he went because he thought he was going to nickel and diamond and he went from, uh, don't quote me on this, but it was like Atlanta to New York, New York to like Paris, Paris to uh what's the name of that country? Um that's all the, got all the oil money, not Saudi Arabia, but um the one with all the sheiks and stuff. I'm bad at geometry. Um <laughs> <laughs> um crap, what's the name of it? Anyway, flew into there and then from there he flew into South Africa and so they like four days of flying. Well it was I think it was two days, and they lost his bow in France, and he didn't get it until six months later. So he went from, uh, no, that wasn't him. That was Ryan Roll. Ryan Roll did the same thing, and he lost his bow. But Jamie went that convoluted route, too, to save like four or $500, if I remember right. But anyway, back to my story. Um Flying sucks, but there's a couple things to do. And I've now that my wife has flown me a couple times, she understands the importance of these things. Getting TSA pre-check. Spending the money to get clear. Oh, my gosh. One trip, it's worth it. And then having a passport and media credentials and having all those things and having a system when you go into the airport of getting your bags, knowing who to talk to, what to say, what paperwork you need, you know, in terms of media credentials and 
things like that. Having your TSA pre-check, having the app on your phone, knowing how to get through the lines in Atlanta. Otherwise, it's it, it can be very, very stressful if you don't know what you're doing or you don't know the best way of um you know, the best way of traveling through a really big city like that. And I remember I got clear. It was, I was flying back. I think I was flying back home. Was it back home or was it somewhere? It's like two days after Christmas and I'll never do that again, ever. As long as I live, I'll drive to the ends of the earth before I do this again. Um, and I got to the airport and it was in San Antonio because I was leaving West Texas and we or South Texas when we came back to San Antonio and uh the line was out the door to just check your bags and then the TSA pre-check line was out the door and I'm like holy crap I'm I'm not going to make it and I'm got I'm there two and a half hours early and I'm in San Antonio so it's not that big of an airport I mean it's a big airport but it's not Atlanta it's not Atlanta or Denver Yeah or... so um I went and stood and I went and saw the clear, the little clear people. Well, they're like, hey, you want clear? I'm like, can you get me in front of all them people? They're like, yeah, if you do, if you fill out this thing and do the little, I'm like, sign me up. It was like, I paid full price for it, but it was $179, which you can get it cheaper. And uh, it's for a year, but past all, if I would not have done it, I wouldn't have made it. I'd have never it's made it. It's called clear? Clear, yeah. It's, it's, you need, but the thing is with clear is you need clear and TSA pre-check. So in Atlanta, there's a clear line, and then there's a clear TSA pre-check line. Ah. You can get the clear line, and it'll put you in front of the security line, but you still got to take your shoes off. You still got to take your laptop out of your computer. You still got to do all that crap. If you have them both, you can blow through it. It's super easy. Um, TSA pre-check is something that you can get. It's good for... Five or eight years, and it's like eighty bucks. I looked on because I I need to get it. I think it was eighty five. Oh man, it's worth every freaking dime. I just renewed mine, so I've had mine for whatever the minimum or the maximum amount of time. So I just renewed mine, and then this year it's not going to matter because Canada's not going to let anybody in. But everybody needs to have a passport. Ryer, I told Ryer to get a passport. I don't still don't think he's got it. He's not the greatest about errands. Um, he's great about everything else, but the errands, he's not a huge. He's not a huge fan of errands. Um, and then, uh, but those are, and, and like I said, having a plan of like how to get through the airport, like having, I've got a little thing, I can't remember what it's called, and it clips on the back of your tray table so you can like sit your phone on it when mm-hmm. you get on those planes that are too cheap to put screens in the plane. So I can like watch my phone and I have to hold it and my shoulders kill me the whole time. I've got one of those, and then having a good set of headphones, and then now you got to wear a mask and crap. But apparently, if you're on the plane, here's a little life hack for you. Um, if you're listening, if you are have a drink in your hand or you're eating food, you don't have to wear your mask. So just hold your drink, and you don't have to wear your mask. Because um, my wife did it the entire trip to and from Salt Lake City. Um, anyway, so, uh, and then do some planning before, uh, you know, Make sure you've kind of got it figured out in Atlanta. I mean, you know, get yeah. there at least two hours early. And uh, if you got TSA pre-check and clear and you're there two hours early, knock on wood, you won't have a problem. Yeah. Um, and then parking. God dang, parking. Oh, I hate that place. They shove it up you with parking. They shove it up you with everything. I don't know what it is in Atlanta. Orlando, I think, is 
twenty five dollars a day or thirty. Oh well, a day. it's not that much. It's nine. I think it's eighteen or nineteen dollars a day, but it's still ridiculous. Anyway, um, so you've got, I've got you scheduled on the, on the books for a decent amount of trips, not a ton, but you're also going to be back here doing some quick turnaround edits in the meantime. Um, you know, so your first trip is going to be to South Dakota for whitetails with spy point. Um, so that'll, I've never done South Dakota early season. Uh, is that, uh, so that's going to be with Brian. Have you, have you ever hunted South, South Dakota? Mm-mm. Well, the farm that you're on, which we were there in late October when we were there last year, it's it's like three or 4,000 acres. It's in uh, outside of Winter, South Dakota. And it's a it's a cool farm. Um, you're in you're in a house. You've got plenty of room for your gear, um, and it's a lease that uh, some of the Spy Point guys have, and uh, they've got some freaking big deer on it. So it'll it should be good. I mean, if you get a cold front and get the moon right, uh, it'll it should be a good hunt. And Brian, I mean Brian, and me were there last year. It's obviously going to look completely different, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't. I mean. Which, I mean, South Dakota in September, early September. I mean, I would think it's still going to be pretty warm. Right. I would think, um, but you'll probably be, like I said, in the ground blind and in the, and maybe in a tree stand some. And I got that new tree arm for you. Do you have a tree arm? Yeah, I got that fourth arrow arm, the same one. Oh, okay. Has, yeah. Oh, okay. I can get away with it a much more than Ryer can because I don't have the FS seven. Yeah, that's five, true. So, so um, yeah. But then the next trip is the one that you asked me when you first when you first said you were going to come work, you're like, do I get to go on an elk hunt? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to try and get you on an elk hunt. So you're going to get, you're signed up to go on the, on your first elk hunt in New Mexico. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm a, uh, this is going to insult a lot of elk hunters, but <laughs> I see elk hunting l- like, I see turkey hunting as the poor man's elk hunting. Yeah. Because the interaction's the same. Obviously, the size difference in mm-hmm. animal is different. Yeah. But just like I would almost think the the way that you would hunt them would almost be the same. Yeah, it's it's got some similarities. Yeah, but you would really, really uh, infuriate some people that like true blue elk hunters yeah. that heard that. But no, I, I completely understand. And I think the reason they get mad about that that um comparison is because they've never turkey hunted. Yeah, oh, that's a bird. Because anybody out west is like turkey hunting. That's stupid. We have I, elk. I have seen some people that are cold blood whitetail killers get absolutely shaken when they're turkey hunting. I'm telling you, man, I adore hunting turkeys. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun with a bow, right? No, <laughs> no. Um, turkeys are the biggest buttholes in the world. At least when an elk doesn't come in, and you've done everything right, you're like, okay probably smell this right turkeys don't smell and their brains are not and their brains are not big so i think that hunting a turkey has to be the most frustrating hunt when it is supposed to go the the most and we're getting off topic but this is fine because i love talking about this i think the reason that turkeys are so frustrating is what you just said their brains are so little and when you go to a place to hunt turkeys that you know that you know there are turkeys there and nothing's gobbling. 
and you're like the worst part is when like when a, if you see a deer hang up or an elk hang up it could have smelled you easily yeah or like the rut could be going on they don't care about you they just want to go make some love but like a turkey turkeys will just not come in for absolutely no reason that well they there could be a twig on the in the path and they're like i'm not going over that i'm not stepping over this twig that's what hangs them up. There's one, uh, there's a leaf in the wrong configuration on the ground, and they're like, no, not going to walk around that. And that's that's a turkey. Yeah. Because that's what their little pea-sized brain said. And we give them so much credit, and they're really, really, really dumb. They're very instinctual, but they're real dumb. Yeah. So um, the great thing about elk, and this is, and anybody listening to this, remember, I've hunted elk a decent amount, and I'm from Georgia, so I am by no means even from remotely a novice elk hunter, but I know enough to be dangerous. Elk are, you spook a mature whitetail, you might not ever see him again. You might not ever get a picture of him again. He might leave and go to the next county. An elk, if you were to spook a mature elk, now, if they get a full nose full and eye full of you, you probably won't ever see them again. But if uh, elk just kind of smells you on a trail and spooks, or see something he doesn't like and spooks, they got a fairly short memory. Like you can come back sometimes the next day, sometimes a couple days later, and that elk might be in the same area again. They don't leave the world like a whitetail will. Like they don't have the memory, which I also don't think they encounter the rednecks like yeah like elk. Or like whitetails do, um, but the, the greatest thing about elk hunting and and where we're going, we're gonna you're gonna be going with me and Brock to the Gila in New Mexico. This is gonna be a brand new area for me. I don't know anything about it. Um, Brock says it's wonderful. I've never been. He's been. We're going with some guys that he knows, and uh, I think I'll be driving in. You'll be flying in. I don't know yet where you're gonna be flying into either Phoenix or Albuquerque. And I'll either pick you up from Albuquerque or he will pick you up from Phoenix, one or the other. And then I think we've only got five days to hunt because then I've got to go to Salt Lake City or Ogden. And then you have to go. You'll probably be driving up behind us. And you might get to go there. I don't know. It just depends. We might all three be there. If there's room, I'm gonna have us all three there because I mean, if I gotta edit, I can sit there and edit. Well, there's plenty of yeah. and there's gonna be plenty of stuff to do. Yeah. Um, I think the my biggest thing is I'm not worried about it, but I whitetail hunted and turkey hunted before I filmed them, mm-hmm. so I kind of knew what to film and the aspects of it. And mm-hmm. I've never elk hunted, mm-hmm. so knowing the little nuances of what's good to film and what's a waste of my time to film is one of those things. Well, I think it's going to be one of those things, and I think it's interesting to having people film things that they've not done much of or are unfamiliar with because when I do things like that, like I remember the first time I went on a moose hunt. Never, which I guess technically I've been on more than one moose hunt, but I've been on a couple moose hunts. But the first one I did was in 2014 in the Yukon, and I was oblivious. Like I didn't know much about it. I'd never really watched a ton of moose hunting. I mean, I knew roundabout kind of how right. we did it. I didn't know how we were hunting. I didn't know the means of which, you know, we were going to call or whatever. So what I tried to film and what I tried to capture was what interested me. You know, what was, what about this 
experience was like, you know, that's cool. Right. Or I think this is something that people would want to know. And I tried to view it through the eyes of somebody that's like, okay, I've always been interested in this, but I've never got to be fully immersed in it. So being fully immersed in it, the nuances of calling, of raking trees, of, you know, cooking your lunch on the bank by a fire because that's you're in the middle of the Yukon, you know, being on the boat, the time you spend on the boat, like those were the things that were like, okay, this is the this is the focal point of the story because of where and how and who, what, when, where, why, weather type thing, right. you know. And I think elk's going to be the same way. That the, the focal point is going to be hopefully the beautiful terrain, the you know, the harshness of the terrain, how hard it is physically, because I can promise you there's going to be some heavy breathing. Um, then it's going to be the calling and hopefully the interaction and pray to God, a dead bull. Right. Um, well, no offense, but... I've heard you say multiple times you were on eight elk hunts before you ever touched one. Ten. Ten. Was it ten? Pretty sure it was ten. I have to go back and remember. I have to think. I think it was ten. And that wasn't ten years. That was ten Ten, different elk trips. Which was like over the course of... Sub seven. I mean, you probably went on two or three a year at least. um, I'm trying to think. One... Yeah, I think it was 10, because it was my fourth year at Sub-7 when I finally laid hands on an elk. No, no it wasn't. No, the entire time I was at Sub-7, we never killed an elk. The, the guy I was filming. Now, John did, but I wasn't filming it. I was with Chuck. Um, yeah, I did 10 hunts before we, I ever laid hands on elk, and it was the one I killed in Colorado. It's not a bad first one to lay your hands on. Yeah, in 2017. So I did, uh, it was four years of elk hunts before I ever got to lay hands on one. But anyway, um, but I'd do every bit of it over again. Um, and I probably will, you know, if I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to kill a bull this year in New Mexico with you, then... If I go another four years or ten hunts, then I'm fine with that. I'll keep going because I love it. You know, it's it's there's no there's no way to describe how much fun it is and the interaction with the elk and then the place that we go in Utah is just like that's not even fair, and that it just it it ruins you for everything else because of how good the hunting is, but it makes the it makes the filming tougher because there's so much going on. It's hard to slow your mind down enough to say okay how do I how do I effectively tell the story right and um and there really isn't a, a great way to slow your mind down when there's that much going on around you but um it's also a lot a lot of fun um oh they must be dumping the dumpster I hear mm-hmm. a big loud yeah clud over there um so what are some things that you uh that you've thought about or you know that some things you've prepared for. Now you've got a pack, you've got some new boots. Like what are some of the expectations and planning you've got going on for that Western trip? Um, I really haven't done any. Um, I mean, I know it's going to be physically demanding. I'm probably going to have a headache the whole time because I've lived at 38 feet of elevation my whole <laughs> 38 life. 38 feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know altitude will probably be a problem. But, I mean, other than that, it might honestly – I mean, I don't know what the calendar looks like. 
it might it might be advantageous. I'm opening my calendar as I'm talking and talking through this to figure out a way to get you out there a couple days early just so you can acclimate. I don't know how high it's going to be. I know it's going to be higher than 38 feet, but I don't think it, I don't know if it's going to be like a 10,000 elevation elk hunt or if it's going to be like a 6,000 elevation elk hunt because it's New Mexico be more than 38, I can tell you that. Yeah, New Mexico's got from probably 3,000 feet to Way 14. Up. Yeah. Cuz I've hunted New Mexico at 135 and it is up there, buddy. Um what do you have before that? You, hmm. No, not really. You don't have a whole lot of time. No. You've got to come back literally enough time to edit that show and then fly out. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a negative on that one, Ghost Rider. Um, so, uh, but you did get you some new boots. What did you end up getting? I got a pair of Vask. They're the um, all-terrain breeze. And then I got a pair of Crispy Wyoming's. So, oh yeah, you did tell me that. So, yeah, I'm looking at. I was thinking about getting another pair of the crispies just to try them out, but I can't make up my mind. But I, um, I wanted something that was going to last me, but I also wanted something I didn't want to own a thousand pair of boots, and I wanted something stiff enough that when I go out west, like I'm not going to kill my calves and my feet and my knees, but then. Once I broke them in, it wouldn't be like walking on two by fours when I'm whitetail hunting. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I went with that that crispy kinda in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I can tell you about being out west is it's hard not to make it pretty, just because everything's so pretty and the animals are so as as Andy Stump calls them majestic forest beasts, <laughs> um, and they are. I mean, it's it's a it's an amazing, amazing place with an amazing animal uh, that just never ceases to amaze me. Um, after that, after that, you've got, after that, I've got two more elk hunts. Utah, which we said you might be coming with us to Utah. Don't know yet, which it would be nice to have you there just to, if nothing else, to edit. We can leave, we, I mean, you hell, you could stay in the trailer Dudley's trailer or Brock's trailer and edit. Edit and pack mule. Edit and pack mule, yeah. And, yeah, especially if somebody kills and kills yeah. an elk. I mean, which there are going to be people kill elk. I can promise you that. Well, with as many people that they're going to be there. Everybody's going to be and there. And the importance of those people. Not importance, yeah. but, like, the the popularity Influ- of those people. Yeah, some, someone's going to want something done. Yeah. It's just going to be logistics. Well, I can, can tell happen. you who that person's going to be, and it's going to be John Dudley. <laughs> um, He's always... Always got a new idea of something he wants to do, and never enough time to do them all. If you if you pay attention and like, first like me, I I know what you have worked on and stuff, mm-hmm. and I can go back and look at videos and be like, that's a series of eleven videos from the same elk camp. Yeah, like when him and Rogan, him and Rogan were somewhere. You did like six cooking videos, a, oh, yeah. a pack dump, two elk hunts. He he doesn't. It's like I think you. I think you. I think I, that's why I, I I love him and hate him so much is because he's Dudley is, which all of our clients are one of a kind. But he's got his own his own type of personality. Whereas, and I've told this to people like when they ask me about Dudley because he is so popular. I'm like, look, Dud is one of the most laid back, funny, 
most giving people I've ever met with his time. But he also can flip a switch and in two seconds be extremely serious when he's on a hunt. Like he can jump back and forth between fun, happy-go-lucky, goober, you know, you know, just one of the guys having a great time, like the guy, the center of attention because he's so funny, to in the process of a hunt, he can flip a switch and be dead serious. And, uh, like, I have a little more of a transition time in that time frame. Um, and, it, and it can be in the course of, you know, and he can switch that switch back and forth several times during See, the I day. See, don't, I don't have that transition time. I, I'm not like well, that. Well, I mean, I, I do a little bit because I understand people around me need a little right, bit of time. Right. He don't give you that time. Like, he's, he's ready to go. He's ready to hang out. He's ready to go. He's ready to hang out. And, uh, and that's my, one of my biggest pet peeves. And, and or one of my biggest things with clients, other than being a great communicator, is I don't ever want I don't ever want someone waiting on me. So I always try and have my gear laid out, batteries charged, all my stuff ready to when he says, "Okay, we need to be ready to go at 6 I'm ready to go before six. Yeah, because I hate being late. I don't want someone waiting on me because yeah. I hate waiting on other people. Right. So I don't. I obviously if, if I hate waiting on people, everybody else hates waiting on people. I don't want people waiting on me. Um, so that's always my goal is to not have somebody wait on me. But with Dud, like he doesn't, most clients are super easy in the fact that you go in, you have an elk hunt. We're producing a TV show, a web show, or a film around this elk hunt. Fairly cut and dry. It's never cut and dry with Dudley, <laughs> ever. Because you go into an elk hunt in Utah and it's going to be a full elk film. It's going to be a one-minute tease of that elk film. It's going to be a bow review. It's going to be a release review. It's going to be three cooking videos. It's coffee. going to be coffee. It's going to be fitness. Um, how how to break the elk down. How to pack the pack the elk out. His gear loadout. It's going to be that one video. He gets the mileage out of his content. I'll give him that. And but I appreciate it because. It's always, it's always a go 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 mentality with him, and it's always like, how do we get the most out of everything? Like he doesn't leave anything left on the well, table. And it's awkward. Like we go on these trips, we're getting paid. It is awkward when you know you are on this trip, like going to Utah, awesome place, and you're getting paid to do something for these five days. That something is hunting. And you have nothing to do. You're, like you're just sitting there with nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's awkward to me. Like when I when I someone's paying me to do something, like I want to work. I mm-hmm. hate downtime. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I get it. If I, if someone's paying me, like, make me do something. Yeah. Well, and I think that was what when I first started working with him. The reason I started working with him was because that's when he transitioned from Under Armour to Sitka. And essentially, his 11 years at Under Armour, he couldn't use any of that content anymore. You know, it's all in the wrong camo with the wrong gear. He's like, I've got to, you know, I've got to make up for 11 years of content. And he uh, he looked at me like, can you do that? And I'm like, I can. Uh, I was like, I'll do my best. And then that's what we did the whole first year. And now we're going into our third season. Is this our third season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2017, 2018. Yep. No, this will be our fourth four. season. Yeah. Well, and then he just then well you, the first season, uh, twenty seventeen. I only did that one hunt with him, and I wasn't even working for him. I met him that year, 
So this will be my third season working with him, fourth season knowing him. And then he had to redo everything when he switched bows yeah. as well. Yeah, and that's that's been this year, which yep. is what we've been working on this year. And then um, then the hunts are coming up. So And the hunts are going to be big because that's what people yep. want to see. And um, Dudley hangs out with some highly important people. Yeah, and 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 that's going to be, and that adds another element to it. That that elk film that went to the gear loadout, the bow review, the everything else. Now you throw two or three more influential people in the mix, and now we've got their video, Dudley's video, mm. this other guy's video, right? And it's like, okay, how do we, how do you film this in a way? It works for everything, and it, the only way to do it is to film it all. Well, I have I when I was up here in December helping you, I edited that trip from Alberta yeah. that you went on, and you told me, "Hey, this is gonna suck." Everyone that filmed that, everyone that killed, I was with someone else that day. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. awesome!" So yeah, that, tell, that tells me automatically if you're going somewhere, you know you're gonna kill something, and you have people like you need to have some people there with some cameras. Yeah, and, and but but it's also tough for him from a budget standpoint, yeah. which I get. Yeah. To where when he goes hunting, like in that Alberta trip, there was virtually how many how many people? It was him, Andy, and Brock. So, I mean, there's three people there. Um, it was more than that. Well, Barclo was there. Not Alberta. Oh, that no, was BC. That was right. BC. Oh yeah, BC. There was. Yeah. Yeah, BC. There was five people. Mm-hmm. Hunting. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. BC. Okay. Yeah, and I'm like and. and and the and the problem there was not only was you know budgetarily he you know he's not going to bring in five producers but right. there's not room in camp for that many more people right. yeah so I mean it was we kind of had to do what we had to do type thing but uh yeah I, I mean perfect world heck yeah you know we would we'd go in and but that's and I think that's where his content is good too is the information and everything but um, it's not our style because it's not like produced and well polished because you don't have time to well produce and polish it. Um, which is kind of crazy. The three main projects that we've got going on right now, we've got Dudley's that is super fast paced. It doesn't have a ton of production value just because you don't have time. It's very informational, very real and raw and YouTube. But I think it gets away with not with the being real and raw because you do learn so much. Yeah. Uh, that's where it gets away well, with it. So you've got that, then you've got in the middle, which is Red Arrow, that's got much better production. It's got more thought out, but it's still super fast paced and still very relatable. And then our new our newest project, which you're gonna be doing a lot with, which is Hunt Masters, that's gonna be slowed down, extremely well produced and shot. Yeah. In theory, knock on wood, um, every shot has to be well done, has to have production value produced, and it's got to be everything about it's got to say professional. Mm-hmm. So we essentially have three shows or three major projects that we're doing that all three of them couldn't be any more different from one another. So it's and it makes it tough. And all three of us are going on one trip for each of those shows. Yeah, at least. At least yeah, which I think is important to be able to cross train guys to where they they make sense of it. But I think the most important thing with the Hunt Masters one, and I'm, I know me and you've talked about it, and we'll we'll continue to talk about it, is just making sure every shot that we're shooting is never bland. That it's always either pushed to the end of our lens to where we can blow out our background. It's it's shallow enough to where we can separate, you know, foreground from background. We're using foreground to, you know, 
shape our scene or highlight a certain person or feature or animal or whatever um, to make sure that every shot is thought out. And if it's not a great shot, we stop, reset, and figure out why it's not. Right. And, 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 and always communicate and always have a plan. I think that's going to be extremely important with this this project is to always have a really, really good plan going into the shoot and taking the time before the shoot to sit down in the office or in your free time or whatever. And, like, I have tons of notes on this first trip of, like, okay, here's the shots I want to get. Here's how I want to set this scene up. Here's how I want to get from here to here. Um, here's how we're going to double shoot this scene. This is where we're going to shoot this. And literally break it down to where it all kind of, it, it's kind of a almost storyboarded out to where now all I've got to do is execute. Yeah. You know, all the planning's done, and there's no running by the seat of your pants. This is not hunting with Chuck anymore. We're not running around just figuring it out. And it's not going to be a Kip Campbell kill fest either. Yeah, and it's not. It's going to be, the focus is going to be on one animal, one deer, one elk, one, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, which I, I to me, personally, I like better. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I like a good kill show as much as anybody else, but I love a good story told about one particular deer, one particular a place, location, stand, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, just what is the you story? You have so much more, pro- well, I don't, I mean, it's an animal. You don't have a lot of control, but you have a lot more production and creativity control when it comes to that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it, it allows it, which is the hardest part for me is going to be the pace. The pace is so much slower than the show pace. When I talk about not the, not the filming and the world pace, that's extremely fast. But the pace of the show is going to be slower than everything else we do. Everything else we do is extremely fast. So we have to be able to slow this down enough to where it checks all the boxes that Greg wants it to check. And you might have to cut this out because I don't know if I can mention it. But what will be different for me is you told me like, hey, he never addresses the camera. Yeah. And that's... I don't, I don't want to say it's awkward to me, but like dial, I don't want to sound like a broken record or like I'm copying you, but dialogue is important. Yeah. And to have to produce dialogue where he never addresses the camera yeah. is going to be a new thing. For so, and, and what, and what Clay's talking about, just to kind of reiterate on it. So, and this is, I even have this in my notes to talk about, you know, Hunt Masters is going to be a really tough show to do because it's not like, because my wife was asking me this exact question the other night when I was staring at my computer again on my notes. And she's like, why are you stressing about this shoot or this show so much? I'm like, I was like, because it's different than any other show on the, on the network. And she's like, well, how, how? Why is it so much harder? And I said, okay, think about every show that you've ever watched that I've done. And, you know, you hear people talking. What are they doing? They're talking to the camera. She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I ask them to talk to the camera generally, most of the time. Like, Chuck, I don't have to ask him anymore. Right. He just knows. Right. It's like, well, most of the time I stick a camera in somebody's face, and I'm like, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? What just happened? What's ha- what's going on next? You know, tell me about the deer. Let's do this. And I'm producing those conversations. I was like, and it's easy when they t- turn and talk to the camera, and I get B-roll around what they're talking about, and it's one camera. Build, about builds as straight, itself. It's about as straightforward as yeah, it gets. It builds itself. Yeah, yeah, it builds itself. And um, 
She's like, okay, well, how's Greg different? I was like, he'll never look at the camera. And she's like, he he doesn't want to? I'm like, no, that's not the style of the show. The style of the show is very... Narrative. Is, uh, is very narrative. It's very it's very well-polished reality-style show to where in every one of those talking segments is going to have two characters with two cameras. So there's going to be four people there with audio on both. And it's produced. It's highly produced and, and semi-scripted almost. And there's going to be cross-shoot, you know, 45 degrees cross-shoot to where you see both faces, both people talking. And we can't have people overlapping their talking. They're not going to address the camera. Now, we're going to be able to produce the conversation, but when we produce the conversation, we've got to be conscious enough to where we can go back into those two cameras and say, okay, do we have the shots to cover up those, those that conversation between those two people? Because yeah, even though I, I see this a lot, um, there aren't very many like newbies out there, new filmers that have two camera two cameramen. Mm-hmm. But I see it a lot. You just because you have two people talking in two camera angles, you don't want to jump back and forth every time the person talking changes. Yeah. So that's gonna be being able to produce it to where you don't have to make a cut and switch to the next camera angle to hide and edit. Yeah, well and the and, and the really important thing and this is I'm glad you said something the really important thing for that is when you're filming two cameras that way, say, you know, you've got two people talking like this and you've got one camera over this shoulder, one camera over this shoulder, 45, or, you know, this shoulder and this shoulder, right. um, and they're having this conversation. It's important to be able to have this camera still film this, and I know y'all can't see what I'm talking about, but still having a camera film the person that's not talking just to get their reactions, their head nods, they're shaking their heads. Well, is, their it, is it better to go acknowledgement? Is it better to go one wide and then the other person switch back and forth on tights, or to go two two? If tights? you've got two people, I like I like to set them up to where one camera can see both people, probably the side or back of the one person's head, mm-hmm. and then the face of the other person, right. and then the other camera either mirror that or be tight on our main subject, which is going to be Greg. Correct. And then the the tight camera on Greg is going to need to get all his dialogue. At the same time, it's going to need to get his head nods, his acknowledgments, and all those things. And those need to also be recreated a little bit afterwards because when you make cuts, you need things to cover up those things. Right. So we need those things to be able to cover up. Um, that's why that show is so much harder. There's no interviews. There are voiceovers, but those are professionally written voiceovers. Right. They're not just like, hey, here we are. We're here in Tennessee, you know, turkey hunting. No, it's 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 it it's a beautiful narrative. Everything yeah. it's supposed to be, yes. yes. And and everything about it is thought out. Everything about it is not scripted but planned and pre produced. And uh and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a tough one to do. And uh and I'm excited for the challenge. Um, we've got some contract guys that are going to be shooting some of it with us. Um, and I know they're really excited about it. So I don't know, man. It's I gonna, don't. I don't mind different. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, it's gonna. It's gonna be new. It's gonna be a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the filming is going to happen after something happens. And what I mean by that is, in in the day to day on the hunts. 
it's going to be anytime we see an opportunity to get pretty things, like, you know, cool lighting shots of walking and setting up and all those things, you know, the truck driving by, all the different pretty things that we can get, we get those throughout the day. But then after a stalk happens or after an encounter with an animal happens, that's when we have got to go back and recreate those scenes, like everything about them. Um, to I mean, you normally when I do recreates for a, a normal show, you know I'll do five to ten shots of recreations. Well, this show is going to be ten times that. Yeah, you know. Uh huh. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Sorry, we just had a neighbor walk in and offer us Papa John's. Pueblos. Pueblos, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, yeah, that 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 show's gonna be tougher. Um, and it sounds like. Like, people listening that have never done something like this, it may sound like it's going to suck as far as all the work that we have to do, but that's how Greg wants his show, and his show's been successful because it's like that, so he understands what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier doing all that with a host that understands and is willing to do all of that stuff. And then the beautiful thing is you get to break out your slider like a madman when you want to. For those of you that don't know, Clay loves a slider. Like, loves a slider. In the right places. I won't won't do a slider on anything, but when I I look at something and see slider. (laughs) See slider? (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Oh, goodness. I'm going to get a shirt. Instead of said it's got milk, it's going to say got slider. Got slider. Got that slide. I love a slider, and I love a gimbal. Oh, man. Well. And I'm f- slowly falling in love with rollerblades, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're going to be able to, any places to implement rollerblades, but gimbals, maybe. I've got that gimbal in there if you want to take it with you on trips. You're more than welcome mine. to it. Oh, do you? Yeah. Um, I've got one. I just don't ever use it. Um, So... The whitetail stuff, we're we're gonna need to do some planning on whitetails because it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to do whitetails because it's not gonna be like an elk hunt or a mule hunt where it's all self contained. Like there's gonna be, you know, the hunt and then we're gonna have to transition to a scene of in the woods checking trail cameras. And you're gonna have to produce that scene. And then we're gonna have to transition from that to a scene in the springtime that we're gonna have to go back and shoot in the spring. But we have to consciously and we're still talking about Huntmasters, if y'all are wondering. So the, the Whitetail shows are all going to have their own theme, their own idea, their own story that I'm still working on writing that I need to be working on now to where um, and maybe that's something me and you can do once we get done with this podcast is sit down and kind of script out those six Whitetail shows um, and, and plan those scenes to where, look, we're going to, this show is going to consist of these four major themes, you know, spring, spring cleaning, Hanging stands, food plots, killing this deer. And then this one's going to be hanging this stand, you know, getting a picture of this deer, finding him in this stand, killing this deer, whatever the case may be. Right. And from what I've watched of the, his past seasons, um, just taking some notes and things, is whenever there is someone in camp that he enjoys talking to, yeah, 
he likes that in the episodes. Like he, oh, yeah. he enjoys having the. Well, those are planned out, right, you know. Yeah. And and he ha- and the reason he has the guests that he has is because they are good on camera and, he, and right. they do add value to the show. So, um, yeah, that's that that's stuff we have to plan in the show too. Um, but uh, and then in terms of what I've got coming up, um, I've got quite a few whitetail trips, several elk trips. And then, um, it's kind of the same old, same old, honestly. I actually think I've got a little more time. Let me see before I pop my mouth off and I'm wrong. Well, I guess I could do that. I might could do that hunt if I needed to. I'm looking at the calendar again. I was thinking I had more time off in October than I normally do, but it doesn't look like I do. Um, well, you did until I did. Dudley got with you about all his things. Yeah, thanks, Dud. But anyway, did you um, ever fletch your arrows yesterday? No, I don't have my fletches. They come in. They, my fletches come in today. Um, bought the glue and forgot I hadn't got my fletches in yet. But um, anyway, but yeah, I uh, I'm excited for it to get started. I, I, I am and I'm not. I'm ready for it to get started, but at the same time, I've on. I mean. I, I wish the season was longer. I wish that we didn't have to pack 70% of all of our travel into September, October, November, and the first half of December. Yeah. You know, if it was instead of three and a half months, it was five months, it would it'd make life easier. But man, like, we got probably another blue stem project we're going to have to I, do in December. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm surprised at how many. Like January rut hunts, you don't get to go on. Like, like it's like your Texas. Cl- like no, like your clients like Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, nobody those. hunts those places anymore. Only uh, people that hunt those places is Primos. God um, bless them. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of rednecks that do, but there's not very many people that film because they're so hard to film. Freaking whitetails in the southeast, dude. It, that is the hardest thing. You ain't doing it right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have enough ground to do it. That's the why. That's the only reason the Primos guys get to is because they've oh got so God. much ground to do it on. You can't spook a deer off that place. No, it, it, it's and that's what that's what's so hard to explain to people, dude. Filming a filming a show in the southeast for anything. Holy crap, man! You have done something. We have. That's why we travel to hunt because it's so much easier to hunt other yeah, places. Even with the property that we have, it's a it sucks. Yeah, it, it, everything about the southeast. You come to the southeast and you're successful consistently. You can hunt anything anywhere. So, I don't even, I don't even put in my time here. I mean, if I did, I mean, you could probably kill a decent little deer every year, which I don't have the time to. You could kill a turkey or two, and then some hog and maybe a bear. But it's like, okay, are any of them going to be real big? Not really. I mean, we have a good time doing it, probably. But the time, the time and money you're going to put in is it's the cost benefit. Well, with the little time that you have, it's not worth it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we've almost been talking for an hour, so I think we're good. And we've got a couple more things we're going to do and get ready for the class. And we are going to be doing two podcasts with the class. We're going to be doing a before and an after podcast. Um, we don't really have a script or notes as to what those are going to consist of 
But um, you gonna put those in one podcast? Or are you gonna do? Them no, separate? I think I'm gonna do them in two separate ones. And probably put them out in weeks back to back. That way, people hear what people were expecting, and then at the end, they're gonna hear or the what next week, they're gonna hear what they actually got. So, and I'm gonna go ahead and upload this one now, so a new podcast comes out today. That way, because we haven't put one out in two weeks, I don't think. Nope. And uh, we've been a little busy. Um, so uh, you got anything else? Um, did you want to talk about traveling or you've talked about that quite a bit? So like how you pack or, oh, well, not really. I mean, lots of, I pack a bit different than you. Okay. Well, explain how you pack different. I have a giant, um, rolling like gun case. That's a gun case on the bottom and a duffel bag on top. Uh And I'm the type of person I'd much rather have two heavy bags than four underweight bags. So I just put everything that I can in that one because it's a structured gun case on the bottom, so it's hard on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I just put camera arms, tripods, almost everything except cameras in in that, and then my clothes and everything. And I just pay the $50 overweight fee versus paying 75 bucks for an extra bag. Mm-hmm. And I just roll that one heavy bag around and then have my cameras on me in the plane, and that's it. Yeah. I mean that's a good thing. I mean it's a good strategy. I mean it's not a, it's not a pelican, but it's a structured gun case. So. Yeah. Well, if you don't have your cameras yeah, in it, I wouldn't exactly. be worried yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, if it was just my tripods and my, you know, everything but my cameras, I wouldn't worry about it either. Right. I mean, it's just batteries and crap. It's like you have to throw yeah. them. It don't matter. You can hurt yeah. them. So you know, and if you do, it's like okay, I'm out hundred bucks. It's like oh, I'll, I'll live. Yeah. You know, versus throw my camera and it breaks. It's like okay, I'm screwed. Right. Type thing. So. Yeah, I I still don't have a perfect system. I mean, my system is generally two big pelicans, a backpack, and then a roll roll on case that I'll carry my DSLR because I'll check my main camera most of the time, and then I carry on my DSLR and lenses. That way, for some reason, if my check bag gets lost, I do have a backup camera in the interim. Um. Until I can get another camera there, I can at least function. So, uh, yeah, in the plane, I always have at least my lenses, DSLR, and some type of microphone. Yeah. Same here. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's a quick and dirty version of it. But get your TSA pre check, get clear. It's worth the money. If you fly more than twice a year, it's worth it. TSA pre check's worth it, even if you fly once a year. But, uh, Clear is worth it if you fly out of a major airport more than two or three times a year. Worth every dime. Um, so uh, that's it. We're going to go get ready for the podcast, and hopefully Ryer gets here before, before long. See you guys.